Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Second Kings and then on to Galatians. Joshua chapter number six, and uh, we'll begin with verse 21. I like the book of Joshua because it's really a book of revival. Everybody knows it's a book of revival. Talking about conquest, talking about God giving the people of the Lord the promise that they had long awaited for and desired. And uh, so I enjoy and am encouraged by reading through the book of Joshua. I want to challenge you, the year is still young, we, we need to get into reading the Word of God. And we have that chart available for you, or you may have your own, some people buy um, the Bible through in a year, type Bible, whatever you do, just, just be active in reading the Word of God. So important to your spiritual man and walking with God. You'd just be surprised how that the Lord speaks to you through his word in, in a day-to-day way. Joshua chapter number 6 and verse 21, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country go into the harlot's house and bring thence the woman and all that she hath as you swear unto, swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein and all the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelled in Israel even unto this day. She dwelleth in Israel even to this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho, and he shall lay the foundation thereof in his own firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. In other words, it's going to cost him the next generation if he rebuilds this city that God has conquered. Verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all of the country. Go with me, if you would, to Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 16. Bearing in mind the verses of Scripture that we just read where Joshua prophesied, actually. He said that person that rebuilds this city is going to be cursed 
And the day that they build it, they're doing it at the cost of their sons, the next generation, the future. Notice verse 33 of chapter 16 of 2 Kings. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his day did Hiel, the Bethlehite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof and Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof and his youngest son, Segev, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Notice it says in the days of Isle, or Hiel, that he rebuilt or he built Jericho. And then let's go to the book of Galatians. Bear with me this morning. The book of Galatians, chapter number 2, and verse 18. For if I build again, this is Paul speaking, the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I want you to note that. For if I build again, the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And I was away over this last few days. We, we took a little time. You folks were so gracious for our uh, 13th pastoral anniversary to buy us some tickets and give us some money to go down to San Antonio. And so over this past week, that's where we were. And I appreciate you allowing us to do that. And uh, during this time, I was just praying and seeking the face of the Lord. And I uh, had a little leisure time. And, and it's always good to, I don't know, just get to be able to reset a little bit and, and be rejuvenated. But it's also a time as a pastor uh, to open up your heart, let the Lord speak to you about fresh direction and uh, things by maybe getting back away from a situation. You know, sometimes you can be so close to something you can't see it. You ever heard the phrase, uh, so so much in the forest you can't see the trees, or so close to the forest you can't see the trees? Well, that, that often happens to us in a spiritual sense. And uh, it's important that sometimes the Lord be able to speak to us and we take a little reprieve and so I was seeking the Lord and reading through the Scripture. And as I was reading through, I was just taking time each day to read through uh, each one of these small epistles in the New Testament in my Bible reading. And I came upon this particular passage in the book of Galatians. And as it is many times when the Lord opens something up to me or wants to speak to me about a particular verse, that verse will just resonate and it'll almost be highlighted or illuminated to me. And uh, that's just how it works. And so I began to think about this passage of Scripture, and I was reminded of this story about the city of Jericho. and began to research it a little bit. And uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart about some things, and I pray that you'll receive it as such here this morning. How many wants the Lord? You, you didn't come just to just to get a little something to hype you up, but you come to receive something from the Lord today. Praise the Lord. I want the Lord to speak to me, and I want to preach by the help of God 
refusing to rebuild. Refusing to rebuild. And the essence of what I want to communicate this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost is the fact that when God gives us victory, it becomes our responsibility to maintain that victory. There's many of you that have received of late victories in your life. God has given you great things, great blessings, great anointing, great opportunities. You've gained ground in the kingdom of God. It's important that you not give up that ground, but you go from here and go further in God. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands. Ask the Lord to help us today, strengthen us, and anoint us. God, we look to you entirely dependent upon you. We come humbly into your presence this morning, realizing without you we can do nothing at all. We're an extreme handicap without the Holy Ghost. God, we need the Holy Ghost and its power to anoint, to speak into the hearts of people. And I pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us to be open to be spoke to by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch us today. And we thank you for it. Could you give praise to the Lord? Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. I feel a liberty here. I feel a presence of God hoovering over this place. Amen. Let's be sensitive and open to it. Praise God. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. Reconstruction and reconstruction projects. Many of you are familiar with them or have heard this particular phrase. It's something that is constantly underway in our world. In fact, our nation many times gets involved in reconstruction projects. I don't know if it's for our benefit or for our good or, or whatever, but I am thankful to uh, be in a country that at least is compassionate towards other people's needs. And many times when devastation comes to a country because of war or some natural calamity, our nation goes in and begins to aid them and assist them in the rebuilding of their country. You know that in many of the cities of America, there's what is known as urban renewal. This is when a particular area of town has become dilapidated over time and run down and become a nesting place for crime and uh, a place where, where folks, uh, maybe vagrants and different types with criminal history, uh, vacant areas of town become a place where they abode and these places become dangerous and the government will go in and begin to reconstruct and rebuild these areas, maybe tear down old homes and condemn old homes and begin to build up again places of housing and places of business will come in. And there's certain things that our nation does to make this affordable for businesses to come in and rebuild and reconstruct in these areas. I've recently saw where a person... Uh, could rebuild their reputation if it had been damaged because of the cyber world that we live in and technology today. Many times people can defame folks. Uh, they can slander people online with no proof at all. And, and because of this, uh, because of this 
destruction of their reputation, many, many times uh, they will seek out companies that will help them in the rebuilding of their reputation. There's companies that will help folks that have fell into credit crisis, rebuild their credit, reestablish their credit and help them for their future finances. And we know that uh, in reconstruction and the rebuilding of things and the aiding of, of peoples and countries and all of that, it comes with a great cost and there's a sacrifice that is involved. I was uh, researching a little bit about this message and I found an article concerning the nation of Haiti. Many of you remember that uh, back in 2010, the nation of Haiti experienced a massive earthquake, a national disaster that led to the slaying of 220,000 people dying and 100 or at least uh, over 100,000 uh, people in one particular city uh, being displaced and and uh, over 1.5 million people in the country uh, being affected by this, 60% of them without electricity, many of them without clean water to drink or food to eat. And the question arose is what the United States is going to do to aid and to help in this particular situation. Are we going to show compassion towards this nation? And there was many challenges to overcome. And we did go in and we did begin to rebuild. And there was a little controversy about this. And one of the men that was writing an article, he began to state that we should not rebuild Haiti. And he left the question hanging there and told the reasons why, not that we really should not rebuild, that was not his motive, but his motive was simply this, is that we should not rebuild in the way that it was built in the first place. But if you rebuild, you've got to rebuild right. And because of the poor construction, the lack of engineering, the lack of technology, and the way that the buildings were constructed in the first place is what led to the death of almost a quarter of a million people. And he said, he made a comparison with the earthquake that came in the early 1900s to San Francisco that was greater on the Richter scale than what uh, the earthquake in Haiti was, and yet there was only 100,000 people that perished in that earthquake in comparison. And he was simply stating the fact is, is that many of the buildings in San Francisco at that time were built in the 1800s. And we know that many of them was demolished and the city suffered immensely. But Haiti, a country that is uh, living and dwelling uh, in a time of modern technology, still there was many that perished because of poor construction. He said, if you're going to pour money into the country, if you're going to allow them to rebuild, then you have to take care to show them how to do so, not just leave them to their own devices. Because for them to rebuild in the same way would mean the same devastation would come. There's been many that have talked about uh, the city of New Orleans and after Katrina came, whether it was feasible to rebuild and to rebuild in that place because, as you know, that city is well below sea level. And would it only 
be a later time for us to suffer uh, a devastation. A hurricane would come again. Another rogue storm would come to that city and destroy it again. And so would it be worth rebuilding. This particular story that we read about in the Old Testament concerns the city of Jericho. As you know, the people of God had been promised of the Lord to be able to dwell in their own land. This had basically been a tribal people that had been vagabonds living here and there and even for the last 400 years in Egyptian captivity. But now the Lord is going to fulfill the promise that he had given to Moses and the people that were before them. After 40 years of living, a whole generation of living in the wilderness, now the promise is going to be fulfilled. And they cross the Jordan. And the very first city that they're confronted with is the city of Jericho. And Jericho was to be wholly given unto the Lord. It was the Lord's command that everything, all of the silver, all of the gold, everything that was plundered from this city be placed in the treasury of the house of the Lord, that no man take it for himself. No one would be able to personally accept the spoils of the city of Jericho. And so the Lord, you know, the miraculous victory that came. Jericho was a fortified city, a city that had walls around it that was seemingly impenetrable. It seemed like that the city of Jericho could never be taken by an outside force. Maybe even there had become a a spirit and an attitude of pride because This city was so formidable and had such a reputation of being secure that its occupants felt like that no outside army would ever be able to threaten them. But God promised them that he was going to give them the city of Jericho. And their means of taking this city was not usual means. There was not usual methods of warfare and battle that was employed to take the city of Jericho. How many knows that when God gets ready to move in a situation, when God gets ready to give victory and God begins to bring deliverance to his people, that he doesn't always use the methods of warfare, the methods that the world would consider, the things that we think would work and the things that we would want to do uh, to bring victory. God doesn't always use those methods. He doesn't always use those ways, but he's got his own way of working. And the Bible says that his ways are above our ways. Aren't you thankful that when God does something, he does it right? I said he does it the right way. And when he gave them a promise, he fully intended on fulfilling that promise in their life and bringing victory to them and giving them the city of Jericho. It didn't matter how thick the walls were. It didn't matter how impregnable the walls were. It didn't matter how formidable this city might have been or how many years or what the reputation was. When God was going to give them the city of Jericho, he said, if you'll follow me in faith, if you'll trust me, if you'll do it my way, I'll give you the victory. 
You know, sometimes that's a hard and difficult and challenging thing for us to do is to trust God that he'll bring victory into our lives. Trust and be obedient to him when we don't see a way humanly possible for the job to get done, but we we have to trust God at his word. Can you imagine those men thinking, surely we're going to use swords, staves, and battering rams and Certainly God is going to anoint us and help us, but we're going to have to employ some of our human techniques and war strategies. And Oh, but these were a people that were nomads. They didn't know anything about war up until this point. They hadn't fought many battles. They didn't have a reputation that preceded them as great warriors. They were entirely dependent upon God to bring them the victory. I will tell you, when you get to the point that you're down to nothing, when you get to the point that you don't have anything else to depend upon, when you get to the point that you can only rely upon Him, that's when God is going to give you a surefire miracle. That's when God is going to come through for you in a big way. That's when you can see God's hand like you can at other times in your life. Praise the Lord. When your back's against the wall, when it seems like there is no way out, when it seems like there is no strategy that can be employed, when it seems like that all of your human efforts have come to naught, that's when you're set up for the greatest supernatural victory that you've ever seen in your life. Praise God. He said, if you'll follow me, if you'll do it my way, if you'll trust me, I will give you the city. It seemed unreasonable. It seemed unacceptable. It seemed far out. It seemed like it wasn't even a logical thing to do. Come past the city on our feet in silence as they mock us as they make fun of us from their high wall they look down upon us and and they say ridiculing things to us and we're to walk in silence I thought we were God's people I thought we were the chosen I thought we were the blessed and you want us to walk around and be ridiculed you want us to be made fun of you want us to be the laughing joke of the Inhabitants of Jericho, that's exactly what God commanded them to do. I'm going to tell you, sometimes God asks you to do things that doesn't seem like it fits at all. It doesn't seem like there's any logic to it at all. But you've got to step out in faith. You, you want a miracle? You've got to be willing to trust God. You want God to work in your life? You've got to be willing to do something, amen, that does not seem like it fits within your sphere of comfortability, within, amen, what you are used to doing or what you even want want to do but you got to get beyond your flesh you got to get beyond your own desires you got to get desperate for God and say God I'm trusting you at your word if you said it I know that you're not a man that you should lie nor the son of man that you should repent I'm just going to step out and claim it and believe it and trust you for it I'm not going to rely upon the arm of the flesh you see that's the tendency with all of us even when it comes to dealing with sin in our lives, sometimes we think we can do it. We can overcome it. I'm strong enough. I've got the willpower. I've got the ability to do it. I can quit this anytime I get ready to quit it. 
I can stop it any time I get ready to stop it. This doesn't have any hold on me. I can quit drinking any time I get ready to quit drinking. I can quit smoking any time I get ready to quit smoking. I can quit fornicating any time I get ready to quit fornicating. Oh, you're underestimating what's got a hold of you. You're underestimating the the power and the chains of darkness uh, that is upon your life. Uh, You're underestimating uh, the spirit that is dominant uh, in your soul. Amen. But there is a God in heaven that if you'll trust him at his word, As crazy as it may seem, if you'll humble yourself and come to an altar and repent, repent of that sin. Come on, there's a word that you need to underscore. There's a word that you need to highlight. The only way you're going to get rid of sin in your life is to repent of that sin. you got to turn away from that sin. you got to turn your back on that sin. And the only way you can get cleansed of sin is get down to an altar and repent of it. And then, don't stop there. Get to the baptistry in Jesus' name and be baptized for the remission, the Bible said, of your sin. What's that mean? That means that sin and sin's hold is stopped in your life. You're cleansed. You can't do that on your own. AA's not going to do that for you. Support group is not going to do that for you. They're all well intended, but I'm going to tell you, you need the power of God in your life. Amen. You got to get sold out. Then you don't stop the waters of baptism. You got to get this Holy Ghost. I said you got to get this Holy Ghost. This promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far, even as many as the Lord our God shall. As long as God's still calling people, the Holy Ghost is still for us. It wasn't just for those 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2 or those in Acts chapter 3 or those in Acts chapter 10 or those in Acts chapter 19. It's for us the same experience, the same power. You can have it right here today in this place. Yeah, praise God. He said, if you'll do it my way, I'll give you victory. I'm going to tell you, I want to underscore this. I want to remind somebody here today, if you'll do it God's way, you'll have victory. You try to do it your way, you can't ever have victory. You can't ever get it to line up. You can't ever be blessed trying to circumvent God. You can't ever, all all it leads to is more sin and more of a curse and, and more downfall and more frustration. We try to figure our way out of sin on our own and by ourselves. We're fallen creatures. We try to do it by ourselves and we just stumble more. We just fall further. We just get greater indulged in it until we feel hopeless. Amen. But there's hope in this place if we'll do it God's way. I said if you'll do it God's way. I'm telling you if you'll turn away from your sin, God will forgive you of your sin. I'm telling you, if you'll repent of your sin, we got a God that is just. We got a God that has blood that'll cleanse you of your unrighteousness. Amen. Praise God. And I mean, they had prepared, they had struggled through a lot of things to get to this particular point. Oh, yeah. And, and I think it's so important that we learn. And that we, we, we don't forget all the things that God has brought us through. 
to bring us to this point, this point of victory, this point of overcoming, this point of fresh anointing. Oh, there was a lot of things that were sacrificed. There was a lot of people that were dead and in the ground up to this point. There was a leader, Moses, that had given his life to bring them to this point. And God, at his word, he said, if you'll do it just like I tell you to do it. March for six days, one time a day, and on the seventh day, he said, I want you, I know it's going to be tiresome, and I know your flesh isn't going to want to do it, and I know you're weary from a week of doing this, but if you'll march around seven times, and on the seventh time, I know you don't have a lot of strength left, and I know you don't have a lot of, of vim and, 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 and a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of power in your flesh left to do this physically. But if you give your best, if you'll tell the priest to put the ram's horn in their mouth and blow it with all their might, and that'll signal to the people that they're to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. They're to lift up their voice. When they begin to praise me after they've been obedient to me, I think I see a little parallel there. When you come to an altar, you repent of your sins, and God, you got to have faith that God will forgive you of your sins. I said the same faith that you have that God is able to forgive you of your sins is the same faith that is going to take you further in God. And when you believe that he's forgiven of your, of your sins, amen, you need to lift up your voice. Somebody needs to give a shout of praise. Somebody needs to lift up their voice and give thanks to God. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. And it's him and his supernatural power that is able to bring you the victory. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost working right here in this room this morning. I feel the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place here this morning. I believe God's going to help somebody. Things that you hadn't been able to overcome in your flesh, God's going to help you overcome them. God is going to give you victory over them. You're going to walk out of here feeling satisfied in your spirit, complete in your soul. Amen. God is going to help you. Oh, let's lift up our voice and give a little praise unto the Lord. You talk about total, you talk about total devastation and destruction of the enemy. You talk about totally destroying and delivering the city of Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. This wall that seems so strong and so impregnable. This, this, this wall that seemed like it can never be, it can never be breached. They can never get into the city. It was straightly shut up, the Bible said. Every door closed, every gate locked. It seemed like it was an impossibility. Maybe there's somebody here that said it looks like it's impossible, preacher. I've already, I've already been to the first church of the frigid air and got baptized in their titles and their ways and it hadn't done much for me. I've already accepted Christ. I've been down and I've signed 101 church membership rolls and I got the cards in my pocket to prove it. But can I preach to you here this morning until you do it God's way, there's going to be no victory in your life. Until you're obedient to this Acts 2.38 message, you can never really fully be delivered and be redeemed. Until you go and have the blood applied to your life,
life through repentance. What a baptism in Jesus' name and the unfilling of the Holy Ghost. You'll never be satisfied. You'll always be searching. You'll always be looking. But I'm thankful that the Word of God is clear. It isn't confusing. It's clear. And, and that that looked so impossible was brought down. And the Bible said they didn't stop there, but they went into the city and they burn it with fire because there was no plans of this city ever being reconstructed. There was no urban renewal for Jericho. There was no replenishment of the city. Man, woman, boy, and girl was slain. The only the only one that was saved was the one that had the scarlet thread hanging from the window that had made a covenant with the spies and had kept them in a safe house. Her and those that she could get into her house, the Bible says, was spared. They were saved because of that covenant. And that's a message all by itself. But God, I want to tell you, brought down the enemy's forces. Done a thorough job. I don't believe that when you get salvation that it's a part, in part type deal. Now, I believe in discipleship, and I believe in growing in, in the things of God, and I, I do believe in all of that. I understand that. But I believe when it comes to deliverance from sin and deliverance from the world that God can do a thorough job. If I didn't believe that, I'd pack it up and go home. And if I didn't believe that God was able to take those things away from you, I'm not saying that you wouldn't have the propensity to go back into those things given the right conditions and the right circumstances. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but I'm going to tell you that God can put new desires. Come on, old cravings, he can replace them with new appetites and new desires. Old urges and old old feelings and old emotions and old attachments. God is able to sever those things. And he's able, come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? That when you walked out, you threw that junk away and you didn't walk back to it. You didn't go back to it. Come on, when you walked out, you took it off your dash and you threw it in the trash and you didn't go back to it. You took it out of your back pocket and you threw it in the trash or maybe even laid it on the altar and you didn't go back to it. You went home and you cleaned the refrigerator out and you didn't go back to it. You went and you scooped it out from underneath the bed and you didn't go back to it. You went back to your old stash and you got it and you burned it with fire and you never went back to it. That's how God is able to work. That's how thorough God is able to do it. Now, if you don't want a church that preaches against sin, and if you want somebody that, that tap dances around sin, you're in the wrong place here this morning. But I'm going to tell you, i got a God that is able to deliver you from sin, that is able to set you free from sin, that is able, amen, to bring you out with victory over sin. I'll tell you, you're not going to get victory over sin, amen, by tap dancing around it, sweeping it underneath the carpet. Come on, it's time to pull up the rug here this morning and deal with some things and repent of it and get victory over it. God did a thorough job. Matter of fact, maybe it was Joshua that stood up on one of those stones that was to build those walls of Jericho. He said, I want you fellas to look around. Look at this smoldering city. I want everybody to know it today. This city is to never be rebuilt. The day that they take these stones and rebuild this city, lay the foundations of this city and hang the gates and the doors, 
they're going to do it at the cost of the next generation. Yeah. There's going to be a dear price because there's too much sacrifice that's involved here. You remember Moses and all that he did and all the sacrifices that he did to bring us to this point. You remember a whole generation had to die off in doubt so that we could have faith to take this city. You remember that there was that unwavering desire and passion to bring us to this point. And we've come a long ways, Israel. Oh, it'd be devastating. It'd be a travesty for us to go back and to give back ground to the enemy that God has given to us. We, we should never return and rebuild this city. We should never uh, think that for one moment that God would ever be pleased with us going back and rebuilding this city of Jericho. In the moment that that happens, uh, that person, that family, that individual is going to be cursed. The blessings of God are going to be revoked in their life. But if you'll continue to follow me in faith, if you'll continue to do my will, I continue to give you the land. It won't happen in one day. But he said, I'll drive them out little and by little. But every day you can wake up knowing that he's a God of victory. He's a God of deliverance. He's a God that'll take me where I need to go. If I keep on following him and trusting him and living for him, serving him, keep on praying, keep on having faith. God is going to give me the victory. My energy should not be spent in going back and rebuilding. My energies must be spent in continuing to take things for God and, and expand the kingdom of God and evangelize the world and see God give revival to the lost. That's where my energy should be spent. Boy, I've seen a lot of people. God has done so much for them. Maybe generationally they come out of, they come out of uh, uh, people in, in, their, in their lineage that have given so much to God and been so faithful to God. And there's so much blood in the ground, so much sacrifice. And generationally they've been blessed. They've got a great heritage. And, and I've watched many of them, dear friends, as they go back and rebuild things that God has destroyed for them and their family. They go back and desecrate the heritage that God has given to them, the victories that God has allowed them to experience, the blessings of God that is upon their life. They turn them into a curse because they go back and re when their energy should be spent building on the sacrifices, building on, amen, all the good things that have happened and going on forward. Their energy should be spent in having greater revival and greater things happening. Amen. I thank God that we're standing on property that many years ago somebody had the vision to come out here and buy this and, and some are still here and with us today that, that constructed this first building back here and, and now well, basically we use it as just a, a small fellowship room and then and then we built the second building over here and, and now we're standing in this edifice and it's paid off praise the Lord and, and uh, amen we, we made so many progresses and victories over time hey it'd be foolish for us uh, to step back in time it'd be foolish for us we'd go back light years uh, amen if we ever went back and rebuilt the things uh, that, that has been destroyed uh, the, the victories that God has given us if we ever went back on the commitments and the consecrations uh, that God has blessed us and brought us to this point with that'd be a foolish thing for us uh, that would bring a curse upon our lives 
I don't know about you, but I want to spend my energies pursuing the blessings of God and the goodness of God and what God has in store. I want to see God save your family. I want to see God touch your neighbors and friends. I want to see God get a hold. And I want to be baptizing people in Jesus' name, not debating on what we should allow and what we should uh, rebuild and, 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 and trying to go back and get approval on something that's already been settled. Come on, folks. we got too much to do for the kingdom of God to worry about all of that. Let's go forward in Jesus' name. The blessings of God. The goodness of God. Woo! Hey, we're living in the land of the living. We're living in the promised land. We're in Canaan right now. I've heard people say that Canaan's heaven and the promised land is, is heaven and, and I suppose in a sense uh, you could you could parallel it like that, but you know I never read about it. There being any hills and valleys in heaven, no giants in heaven, and no sons of Anak in heaven, no walled cities in heaven, and uh, certainly no pestilence and wild beast in heaven. Thank God, Hallelujah! No snakes, no spiders, no tarantulas. Man, we went through a little old deal down there in San Antonio, and they had a tarantula in there. Make your skin crawl. It's so big. I looked at that joke and I said, you better be glad you're behind that glass. Because I'd take dominion over you. I'd bruise the heel of my foot with your head. At least I'd try. I've seen some snakes in there. My God, it's longer than that altar. Boa constrictors or something like that. I said, Lord, have mercy. I said, we don't need to let them out of there. And there's one of them, boy, he was coming up the edge of the thing there, and there was a little uh, place, a door there. He was not a real vicious type snake. I don't suppose any snake's not a good snake to me. But and he was looking. He was kind of sniffing around that little crack where they had that door, I suppose, where they could feed him and water him. I said, man, I hope he don't press through that little old thing there. I'd hate for them to have one less snake to show off. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I don't like them. They're not going to have all those things in heaven. We're going to have perfect peace. Oh, won't that be heaven? Praise God. There's going to be perfect harmony. Won't that be heaven? Oh, yes. Praise God. There's going to be joy and there's going to be fulfillment and, and, and perfect completeness in heaven. Can I talk about heaven just a little bit here? There is a difference between heaven and the promised land. The promised land was, in my view, in the Old Testament, a type of the church. Amen. This is a place where we're fed. This is a place where we receive the blessings of God. This is a place that was established for us. This is a promise that God has given to us. This is our land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But but there's still things to be conquered, and there's still things that God wants to give us once we enter in. We don't stop. We don't take up a parking place, and we don't say, well, uh, you know, I've got it done. I got my ticket, and I'm just waiting for the, the plane to lo load up. I'm, I'm just waiting to go home. Oh, no, if that's your attitude, you got the wrong attitude. Amen. If you're going to stay alive, uh, if you're not just going to scratch out an existence uh, and survive, but you're really going to thrive living for God, you're going to have to put your shoulder to the 
plow and make up your mind. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to work for God and I want to see this thing go forward because I'm not going back. I'm not rebuilding. There's no reverse in me. My mind's made up. Come on, am I preaching to a mind made up congregation here? Come on, I've already tasted. The Bible said this is the earnest of our inheritance. You know, you go buy something, you've got to have a little earnest money. And for that person that is selling, man, that's, that's a blessing. I got me a little earnest money. Hey, man, that's, 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 a, that's proof of there's going to be payment to come. And this is a benefit. This is a good thing. And I can use a little of this right now. I don't have to wait till the closing comes. I don't have to wait a month from now until they look over everything and, and it goes through all the process and, and finally we get a closing to get my money. But I got a little earnest. I'm going to tell you until the rapture of the church, we got a little earnest money around here. We got the Holy Ghost. That's the earnest of our inheritance. Amen. That's a little, uh, it's a little bit of heaven to go to heaven on. Praise the Lord. That's a little dab of glory on this side. Praise God. That's just a little bit of what it's going to be like. Hey, if the Holy Ghost is this good, and if it's this joyous, and if this, this is such a great blessing down here, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Woo! You, you tell, we get excited down here. We shout down here. We run the aisles down here. We leap for joy down here. We, we, we shout to our voices hoarse down here. We, we dance before the Lord down here. Oh, but you talk about dancing. You talk about shouting. Wait until we get over there, friend. We're going to do even more dancing and more shouting. He gives us victory. Amen. But that victory comes with a responsibility. Yeah, now you've been riding with me so far. You stay with me. Stay on the train. Man, we, we got on a train. Went down there and, man, it was nice. I never traveled by train. But now I can say I've traveled by planes, trains, and automobiles. But I'll tell you about them trains. That Amtrak, they don't got the right-of-way. You might think they do. Those freight trains what got the right-of-way. They're the biggest. And they're hauling the money, the cargo. So we, a lot of times, had to pull over on the sidetrack and sit still. I said, my God, we ain't never going to get to Texas County. I'm just going to have to get dressed and go straight to church. Supposed <laughs> to be at 8.30. Hey, come on the intercom. Hey, ain't going to be there at 8.30. Ain't going to be there at 9.30. Came on 10.30, 11.30, I won't tell you how late. I mean, you know, I don't want you to, I'm kind of like Paul, I don't want you to, I don't want you to feel sorry for me and my persecution. <laughs> Finally, we got off that, that train. It was, a, it was a wonderful experience to be able to go, especially on the way down there when everything was running on schedule. I mean, you can go in there and you can eat when you want to, and sleep when you want to, and all that. We went down, we went down in the uh, other part. We, was, we thankfully to you folks uh, from a few years back buying these tickets for us. We, I'm gonna tell you, this whole trip it was because of you, and I'm thankful for it. And uh, so we we were able to go down there and ride in, in comfort. Good thing about it. I've been delayed at airports before, and matter of fact, I got over to Dallas the other day, and they said, we don't have a plane to Texas County for it. 
I said, what? And it was Saturday. We don't have one until tomorrow morning. I said, it ain't going to work. I said, let's rent a car. So we rented a car. And, and before it was over, we had a whole busload of people that needed to come to Texarkana. And we split that van load up and, and brought some other elderly folks with us over here to Texarkana. And uh, so, I mean, you can be broke down anywhere. But uh, it's so important that we realize that we're to make progress. We're to go forward. We're to stay strong. Amen. We're not to go back. We're to stay with it. Amen. Uh, as, as frustrated as I may have been, I didn't want to get off and walk from Mineola to Texarkana. No. Frustrated as I may have been, I said, you know, Longview is a little too far for me to walk. Amen. I sure can't call anybody to get up in the middle of the night and come over and get me. So we're just going to have to ride it out. Man, you know what? Finally, we come into the station. We heard that. Oh, oh. We come into that station. Man, I was happy. I was right down there at the door. I said, man, I can't wait. Get out. I'm home. I'm going to breathe in this fresh air of Texarkana. Paper mill didn't even bother me anymore. I'm just glad to be home. Praise God. It's going to be worth it, folks, if you stay with the train. I said it's going to be worth it. One of these days, you're going to hear a trumpet sound. I said, one of these days, uh, the conductor's going to say, you made it to the end. Amen. You stayed with it until the end. Praise God. you got to ride this thing out. Don't go back. There's one time we was on that thing, and it started going back. I said, oh, my Lord. They got something mixed up. We're going backwards. Well, they was going back on that sidetrack. I didn't realize it. I said, we're going the wrong way. Come on, keep going east. Keep going east. We got to go east. We got to get home. Hallelujah. Oh, it seemed like we was going back uh, for a long time there. And I thought, man, oh, I'm going to tell you, I don't want to go back on anything. I want to keep going forward. I want to keep experiencing and seeing the blessings of God in my life. How many is with me on that? You want to continue to see the blessings of God on your life. He said, he said, I'm going to give you dominion, Adam and Eve. I'm going to give you dominion of this garden. But there is a responsibility that comes with this. You get to eat of all this that's here. You get to, you get to partake of anything besides that one tree. But I want you to do something for me. I want you to dress it, and I want you to keep it. Some of us gloss over that in there, but it's in there. He said, I want you to dress it. I want you to maintain it. I want you to keep care. I want you to take care and I want you to maintain dominion over what you've given me. My dad would, would buy properties and, and some of them men grown up, I mean, we'd drive by them and people I could see, they'd roll their eyes and say, what in the world is he seeing that? But he saw something nobody else could see. He could see the weeds already cut down, the brush already cleared. He, he could see he could see the, the shrubs trimmed and the house painted and... and uh, cobwebs knocked out of the corners. He could see all of that. And we'd, we, I remember one particular place that he established as a home place there and, and uh, my grandparents moved there with us. Uh, he bought it right off the highway there because of the location, but it was grown up, had an old house on it. There was all kind of varmin that was living up underneath that, in, in that uh, up underneath the floor of that house in, in that area there that was just a, 
up here in Beam House, and up underneath there, it was a, it was all kind of varmin that had taken residence, and and uh, the grass was that high, and there was all kind of weeds, and we got out there, and lo and behold, he gave me a, a low boy, or, or what do you call it, lawn boy, one of them green machines, and uh, and he said, yeah. I said, I push more, yeah, I push more, buddy. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll cut the tops off of the weed eater, and you can come behind and mow. I said, man, this thing's been growing up for several years. There's all kind of all dead grass. And, and you'd mow a little bit, and it'd bog down. You'd have to back up. It'd just nearly die on you. And you'd start going again. And finally, I mean, you can't get much done very quick doing that. But after a while, and rake up all the dead grass, and mow a little bit more, and mow a little bit more. And he said, set the wheels up as high as they'll go. Set them up as high as it go, and then start lowering them down as we kept mowing. We kept mowing. Pretty soon it was all slicked off. You talk about varmin, snakes, insects, everything you matter. We was ate up with chickers. It was all kinds of stuff that was on that property there. He made a big old burn pile, and it took a while before he'd come around there to burn it. And then he poured fuel on it and lit it up. Man, you talk about a heyday. We've seen everything run out of that thing. When you start taking dominion over something, it takes a little while to clear out things. And there's a lot of work involved. And there's a lot of time involved. And, and that's the way it is living for God. You get to a point and you, and you break through and you make, make strides and you, and you have victory. And It'd be a foolish thing to let that thing grow back up. It'd be a foolish thing for us just to let the varmint move back in. Come on, you already got rid of it. It's time to continue in victory and go forward. Don't get back. To the devil what the Lord has helped you to take. Don't give back to the devil what the Lord has given you dominion and victory over. You have to make up your mind. I'm not going back. I'm continuing to go forward. I'm going to take more. We're going to, we're going to clear more. We're going to do more. We're going to continue to have more. Amen. If you want deliverance, God is able to fully deliver you. You want deliverance over alcoholism. You want deliverance over adultery and fornication, lying and cheating and dishonesty, filthy nicotine habits. When God destroys that bondage in your life and delivers you from those things, God delivers you from immorality, fornication, adultery. You gotta, you gotta delete some things on social media. You gotta break some connection with some people. When the phone rings, you don't answer it. That's how that works, because God gave me victory. I'm not rebuilding that thing. Amen. I got rid of those influences. I'm not going to come underneath that spell again. I'm not going to put my plate, myself in a place. You got a problem with lust. The last thing you need to do is be floating around on the Internet. Come on, when you get on that thing, you better have a purpose. You better have a reason for being there, and you better limit your time with that. Oh, you say, man, we're living in the 21st century. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, living, living for God in the 21st century still requires the same things it did in the 1st century. You're going to have to be committed to God. Be committed to God. Come on, last thing you need to be doing is watching television and, and influenced by Hollywood and, and, and involved with all that kind of stuff. If you want to live for God and you want to keep your mind pure and yourself holy, you've got to cut yourself off. From all. You need to go cut that cable connection and say, I need God in my life more than I need anything. I said, I need God in my life more than I need anything. More than I need entertained, I need God. More than I need to know and keep up with sports, I need God. More than I need the news, bless God, I need the Lord in my life. That's right. Amen. 
struggle with bitterness and anger and malice and hostility and God gives you victory over it, you need to disconnect from all the tail bearers and the busybodies. And Come on, I know I, I seem like I'm meddling around here, but this is what the Lord laid on my heart. You need to get rid of the sores of discord and say, you know what? I've, I've come too far. I've, I've worked too hard to get to this place. There's too much blood in the ground. There's too much sacrifice. God went to Calvary, paid a price for this. I didn't get this cheap. This didn't come free. He suffered for it. He, now I'm not going to crucify him. I'm not going to go back and rebuild those things. You struggle with pride and haughtiness. And God gives you victory over it. Oh, and don't take your cues from celebrities of this world. That'll just, that'll just feed the, the, the pride. That'll just feed the, the, the whole deal with, with haughtiness. Pride goeth before destruction, haughty spirit before fall. And if you don't think that you have pride, you need to repent right now. Because all of us have a, you know, that's one thing we're going to have to struggle with, is this old flesh. It's contrary to the things of God. We can have victory through Jesus Christ. Come on. Don't put on the mind of the world. Don't let the world influence your philosophies. Don't let the world get into your mindset and make set your concepts about things in life. Let, let God and his word and the spirit do that. The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Man, when I walk after the flesh, I'm going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible says. When I walk after the Spirit, I'm going to fulfill the things that the Spirit, and I'm going to be able to do the will of God. I mean, knows there's a will of God. The will of God is, is that we be saved, that we not perish in sin. Hallelujah. I don't need to be taking my cues from all of those people. Many of them, they're not successful in their marriage. Why would you take any cues from them? Why would you follow those kind of people? Why would you be influenced by them? Their lives are a wreck. What they're really searching for is what you've already got, friends. Amen. You need to realize that God's given you something that they're still hungry for and they just don't realize it. Amen. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the power of God on the inside. I don't need some hero in this world that is going to fade away and trend away over time. I need a God that is consistent and in him there is no verminous, no shadow of turning. All this world is going to pass away. But he said, my word is going to stand and it's going to judge me at the end time. And so I want to align my life with the word of God. Would you stand with me and raise your hands? Dealing with worry and fear and anxiety that keeps you awake at night. This dread and totally beat down, feeble in your mind because of it. Can I tell you that God is able to give you victory? But you're going to have to cut off that spirit of doubt and those speakers of doubt and those influences of doubt that come into your life and rob you of that joy of serving God. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Colossians 2 and 9, I've already quoted it. It said, we are complete in him. We are complete in him. I don't want to rebuild anything that God has helped me to destroy in my life.
Joshua said, when you rebuild this city, it's going to bring a curse. You've been blessed. Blessed to have victory. Blessed to be complete in God. Generations past, Hiel, Bethlehem, comes along and said, yeah, what's Joshua know? That's a long time ago. I mean, we're living now. That's generations ago. They made those consecrations back then. That doesn't really pertain to us now. I mean, we're living in the 21st century. Come on, brother. Get up with the times. Somebody recently kind of made a comment towards our church being a little bit of a throwback church. They didn't know that that comment was a compliment, really. Because I've been in some of their settings, and thank God not many, and I couldn't feel an ounce of God. I'm going to tell you, you can't manufacture a real move of God. You can't bring God in with lights. You can't bring God in with steam. And you can't bring God in with with all of those things. You better bring God in with prayer. He said, my glory is only going to be transported one way. He said, and user, you can you can try to bring it however you want to bring it, but 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 my glory is going to come on the shoulders of holy men that know how to walk with me. People that are consecrated, in other words. People that are sanctified before God. We've got to be sanctified, folks. If we're going to be saved, we gotta get we gotta get some things under the blood and never let them come back out from beneath it. We gotta be cleansed. Of some things. Hallelujah. How said, I'm going to rebuild. Not only did it cost him the next generation in the future, but this generation that was of Hiles' generation was Ahab and Jezebel. That's the generation that gave us Jezebel. And Jezebel was a spirit that the church contends with all the way until this present hour. That's right. All the way, you read about it from then all the way. You read it from Old Testament all the way to the last pages of the book of Revelation. You read about that spirit of Jezebel. When did it get loose? It got loose when people started rebuilding things that God had destroyed. They started going back on things that God had given them victory in. Hey, it's time to go forward. I say like the man of God said as he stood the Red Sea. And there was a temptation because people were saying, why don't we just go back? I miss the leeks, the garlics, the melons. Why don't we just go back? At least we weren't starving. At least we had all of those things. We had a certain sense of security. Let's go back. He said, no, that's not what God's saying to me. We may be between Egyptian army and the Red Sea, but bless God. He said, go forward, and we're going to go forward. And as they went forward, God said, I gave you that, and I'll give you this. I done it for you back there. I'll do it for you now. I want to tell you, we'll stay committed to what God has for us. He'll bring us victories. He'll bring us greater miracles. We'll see greater progress. If you'll continue to do it God's way, sir, God will open doors for you that will blow your mind. Blessing. I'm preaching to people in this room this morning. I'm through. You didn't have two cents to rub together before you came to God. Driving a beat-up jalopy, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
trying to hold it together, life all fouled up, messed up, twisted up, scarred. Come to God and God begin to turn things around. Oh, I want to remind you where the blessings are at. They're not out there. They're not in rebuilding. They're not in going back, but they're in going forward with God and living for God and serving the Lord. I need God, don't you? I need his blessing. I want his favor. If there's anybody that wants the favor of God, I'd like for you to flood this altar today. Come on, let's don't just, let's don't just come over in the edges, but let's come as close up here to the front. Amen. Let's don't let these altars hinder us from coming all the way up here and saying, God, I need you. I need you today. Come on, there's people that God wants to give victory to. There's people that God wants to help. There's people, if, if you'll only commit, if you'll only surrender to God, if you'll only give yourself completely over to God and His Word and His will, oh yes, God will give you fresh and new victories in your life. It won't be something you're talking about from years gone by and months gone by, but you can have a fresh, up-to-date miracle in your life here today. How many believes it? Come on, let's trust the Lord. Come on, let's reach out to him right now. Somebody say, God, I want to do it your way. God, I need victory. I need help. I need your blessing. I need a fresh touch. God, you've given me dominion. Help me to expand my borders. Help me, oh God, to do more with what you've given me and not relax and recede back into a place of bondage and a place of being cursed and not going forward but God I want progress I want victory I want greater things I want bigger things for you I want you to do greater miracles in my life I refuse to rebuild old altars that I used to kneel at God I want new altars I want a new place of consecration in you hallelujah help me to come to this place and commit all over again Help me to surrender all over again. Help me to give myself completely all over again. Come on, if you'll repent, God will forgive you. Come on, if you'll tell him you're sorry, God looks upon those that are of a humble and a contrite spirit. Bible said he wouldn't let them pass by. Amen. He couldn't ignore them. He's attracted to them. Your brokenness, your tears, your humility of coming before God and saying, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. Come on, let's pray with one another. Let's pray. There's somebody nearby you in the audience.